Acts chapter 3, let's begin reading at verse 1, shall we? Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. I ask now that you will open our hearts, that we may hear not so much what the preacher is going to say, but that we may hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. I lift up to you other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I particularly lift up sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. And I ask that you will draw them back to a place of repentance. Don't let one of them be lost. I pray all of these things today in the only name that matters. The matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And while you're being seated, Tony, if I could get, again, just a little bit more in the monitor from my mic, um, we're still making adjustments with this new mic, and I would appreciate just a little bit more. Thank you. It was a day just like any other day. His brothers had gotten him out of bed, helped him dress, given him a simple breakfast, and on their way to work, carried him to his usual spot. It was just an ordinary day. The sky wasn't any bluer. The birds didn't sing any sweeter. The sun didn't shine any brighter. It was just a day, like any other day. As he lay with his shriveled, twisted legs extended in front of him, he thought of all the days he had laid in front of the temple gate and how one day blended into the next like an endless horizon. He looked down at his useless limbs stretched out on the blanket in front of him. They were his, but it was as if they weren't even a part of him. He had never felt them, never moved them. Never ran as a boy, never walked as a man. Today was just a day. 
no better and no worse than all the other days in the life of this poor, crippled beggar. The Bible doesn't tell us his name or anything about his life before or after this day. But the miracle that would happen to him on this day, this ordinary day, would be written about by a doctor and read by millions upon millions of people all over the world for generations to come. Now, a miracle by definition has to do with the supernatural. It's the opposite of what is natural. C.S. Lewis defines miracle as an interference with nature by supernatural power. This is done as God superimposes his high invisible law over the visible laws of nature. When the regular process of nature is overruled or supplemented by something from beyond nature, that is a miracle. In the beginning, God established laws of nature, and it is by those laws that this universe operates. However, there is a higher law, a divine law that God reserves for himself. The word of the Lord plainly reveals God as a God of miracles. And there are times when he breaks into this natural order and superimposes his higher law upon a situation in order to accomplish his will in a matter. At any place where the natural is rebelling against divine order and purpose, those who are believers should begin to expect a higher law to be imposed, a law that sets things right, a law that produces the miraculous. The first century church was no stranger to miracle working power as they went into the world proclaiming the good news of Jesus. That same miracle-working power is available to the church in the 21st century and is what enables us to continue to be a relevant church in a modern world. I don't think you got that, so I'm going to repeat that sentence for those in the back that had trouble hearing what was going on. The first century church was no stranger to the miracle-working power as they went into the world proclaiming the good news of Jesus and that same miracle-working power. I, 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 I'm not doing that very well, so I need to say it a, a different way. That same miracle-working power. The same miracle-working power is available to the church in the 21st century and is what enables us to continue to be a relevant church in a modern world. In this passage that forms our text, I want to show you three kinds of people who are positioned to experience the inbreaking of God's supernatural miracle power. And as I do, I want to encourage you to let your faith begin to rise, to believe that this day might just be your day to experience the miracle you need. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that would, with an uplifted hand, identify yourself as someone who needs a miracle. I got, I got a, a house full of needy people for miracles today. I want you to begin to believe that this day might be your day for your miracle. 
to manifest. The first group of people positioned to experience miracles, you find expectant cripples. This story in Acts chapter 3 introduces us to a broken man. In our politically correct world, he would be physically challenged or physically disadvantaged. The Bible says he was lame from birth. So that tells us his physical handicap was through no fault of his own. In In addition to being physically broken, he's a beggar, so he's emotionally broken. He's been sitting in the same spot for so long, day after day, begging in the same place until he had become a fixture and was well known by the townspeople as the lame beggar who sat by the gate beautiful. This man had three strikes against him. First strike, he couldn't walk. In fact, he had never walked. As a result of not being able to walk, he was unable to work. There was no government program to provide relief. There was no assistance to help him learn a trade. There wasn't a charitable organization to supply a wheelchair to help him be mobile. His entire life was spent as a dependent, dependent upon others to carry him to his spot, dependent upon the charity of others to drop a coin into his cup. He had spent so much time this way until he considered his broken, crippled, dependent state as normal. Being crippled means he cannot walk, he cannot work. Third strike, it also means he is unable to join with others in corporate worship. The Bible says he was sitting at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. This gate was a marvelous wonder. Historians tell us it was about 75 feet high and 60 feet wide. It was so massive, it took 20 men to open and close it. The reason it was called the Beautiful Gate was because it was extremely elaborate. It was made of Corinthian brass and overlaid with intricate patterns of gold and silver. This gate was the eastern gate. And when the sun would come up over the Mount of Olives and burst upon that gate looking toward the east, it would dazzle and almost blind you with its radiant beauty. The report is that the light reflecting off that gate could be seen from miles away. Here is this man just outside this beautiful gate. He's outside because the Levitical law said a deformed man couldn't pass through the gates and enter the temple to worship. So he's ceremonially unclean and unable to join in worship. As I was reflecting on the condition of this man, it occurred to me that the real tragedy isn't what he is, but where he is. Verse 2 says he was placed at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Watch this. He's at the temple, not in the temple. And that seems to represent so many modern-day church people who were always at church but never in church. I'll just be honest with you and tell you, some of you in this service today, you're at worship, but you're not in worship. And it's not just about the people in the building. I'm also talking about you that are part of our online congregation as well. You're tuned in, but you're not engaged. So many people miss the dynamic, transforming power of the worship experience because they're always at church, but never in church. Never in church in terms of interest. Never in church in terms of caring. Never in church in terms of being part of what's going on inside the church. Put good money in the church, but never concerned about the church. Sitting in the seats, watching on the internet, but never in worship. You can tell when someone is at church and not in church. 
When you can leave the service the same way you came, you were only at church. When you can leave church doing the same thing, acting the same way, going to the same places, you were at church, you're not in church. When you leave the service and never get any stronger than when you came and you never feel the Holy Spirit and nothing ever moves you and nothing ever gets next to you, nothing ever stirs you, you're at church, not in church. When your habits never change, when your attitude never improves, when your lifestyle never gets any different, you're just at church and not in church. The tragedy of this man was not how he was, but where he was. He was at church, he wasn't in church. This lame man becomes a compassionate, a composite representation of all people. See, I found most people are broken at some place. Sometimes the brokenness manifests as a broken relationship with a family member. Sometimes it is seen as an emotional wound. Sometimes it's revealed as a habit or an addiction you can't seem to break. Sometimes it's memory from the past that keeps cropping up at the most inopportune moment and you can't seem to escape it. Then there's the universal brokenness of humanity as a result of sin. The Bible declares in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you're born with a spiritual handicap. You're born with a predisposition towards sin and a streak of rebellion. I know you didn't want to hear that, but it's okay, you know. Have you ever noticed you don't have to teach a child to be selfish? See, you, that, it's, it's, it's born that way. You aren't spiritually whole, you're spiritually crippled. It, it, to be politically correct, you're spiritually disadvantaged or righteously challenged. <clears throat> you know, I've discovered most people like the idea of miracles in the abstract. They like the idea of miracles occurring. They want the miraculous, but they don't want the condition that necessitates the miracle. I've also found it's possible to get comfortable with the crippled condition. See, most people have learned how to live with it and how to deal with it. It sometimes seems... To me, that people spend more time trying to figure out how to cope with the condition, trying to live with the problem, than they do in looking for the inbreaking of God's presence and power to bring deliverance. This man had been crippled for 40 years. He had, he had accepted his lot in life. He had resigned himself to the fact if he was going to, to survive, it would be by begging. And he sought out one of the most profitable spots. You know, there were three prime spots for begging in that day. One is talked about in Luke chapter 16, outside the house of a wealthy man. Here, one could hope for some charitable assistance from the residents of the house. And, in, and even if you didn't get anything directly from them, at least the garbage they threw out was better than anywhere else in town. So you got a, you know, a higher class of garbage. The next desirable spot is where you find the blind man Bartimaeus on the major highway running through town. Lots of traffic. Surely somebody would show some pity. The third spot, and perhaps the best of the three, was right here at the gate of the temple. As the worshipers are coming and going with their minds turned toward the Lord, surely their hearts would be moved with compassion on a cripple trying to survive. In verse 5 of our story, the Bible says the man gave Peter and John his attention, watch this, expecting to receive something from them. 
I don't know he was expecting a miracle of healing. I suspect he was simply expecting a coin in his cup. What I want you to understand today is that if the Lord can get you to expect anything, it's better than coming into his presence without any expectation at all. In this service today, the Lord is trying to bring you to a point where you recognize you have a benevolent, loving, heavenly Father who has all the resources of heaven at his command. There are storerooms of miracle blessings that haven't even been opened. He loves you as his child. He will not withhold any good thing from those who love him. A look of expectancy is a look of faith, and faith is what gets his attention. You may be broken and crippled today. You may be paralyzed. You may be dependent. But if you'll position yourself with expectancy, you'll be a prime candidate to receive God's miracle help and wholeness. So the first group positioned to receive God's miracles are expectant cripples. Then there are empowered believers. This isn't the first time these disciples have entered the temple area through the beautiful gate. This isn't the first time they've seen this crippled beggar asking for alms. But this time is different from all the other times. See, this time, they've come from the upper room. This time, they've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This time, they've got a new outlook and a new up. Look, you know, anybody can report the way things are. Anybody can look at the negative and tell you how bad it is. It takes somebody with a different spirit to be able to look at the impossible and see the possibilities. It takes somebody with a different spirit to be able to look at the dark clouds and find a silver lining. It takes somebody with a different spirit to be able to look at despair and point you to hope. The the lame man was looking for a coin. He was hoping for something like what he had gotten from countless others over the 40 years he had been begging. You know, know, one of the things I've learned in over 67 years of living is that you don't change the outcome if you keep the same input. You can't keep doing the same things you've been doing and expect a different result. If you want a different outcome, you have to change something in the input. When Peter said in verse 6, I do not possess silver and gold. Notice, he wasn't apologizing that he and John were in a financial bind. Mm -mm, No, he was bragging. When he said, silver and gold, I have none of that, he was bragging. See, even if Peter could have given him money, the man's condition would remain unchanged. He would still have been the same man. Give him a coin, and he remains a crippled beggar. What the man wanted was money. What he needed was healing. Peter told him they didn't have what he wanted, but they had what he needed. The the man wanted to fill his cup. God wanted to fill his heart. The man wanted a handout. He was about to receive a hand up. Peter's response is the proper response people of faith have for a hurting world. The solution, listen, the solution for a hurting world isn't money to pay the rent. The solution for a hurting world is at a turkey dinner at Thanksgiving and toys at Christmas time. Making broken people whole is going to take more than bigger budgets. It's going to take more than beautiful buildings. It's going to take more than friendlier people. It's going to take more than exciting music. It's going to take more than 
catchy slogans and slick advertising. If the church is going to be relevant in this modern world, if the church is going to make a difference in the lives of broken people, then we're going to have to experience the outpouring of the Spirit of God, and then we're going to have to release it into the lives of hurting people. And that kind of power doesn't just happen accidentally. That kind of power doesn't happen just, and it doesn't come just when you wish it so. That kind of power only comes when you've spent the time with Jesus, when you've tuned in to the sound of heaven. That kind of power comes when you've been to the upper room and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and then you emerge with power and authority. That kind of power comes when you spend the time in prayer. That kind of power comes when you assemble with the saints in worship. There are not any shortcuts to that kind of power. You can't substitute social action for that kind of power. You can't substitute kind words and friendly greetings for that kind of power. You can't substitute words of counsel for that kind of power. You can't substitute medication for that kind of power. The only kind of power that will make any real lasting difference in our hurting world is the kind of power that says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I release unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Here's what I want to do. I want to say to everyone crippled by a habit that seems unbreakable, look at me. I want to say to every person who has sat through service after service, feeling that peace and joy is for everybody else, but not for you. I want to say, look at me. I want to say to every person who has stopped trying because you're always stumbling and failing, look at me. I want to say to every person who's mishandled by the religious system. Look at me. I want to say to every person who's had your dream die, look at me. I want to say to every despairing, hopeless person who is crippled emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, financially, socially, physically, look at me. I don't have any sufficient words of cheer to lift emotional cripples out of your depression. I don't have wise counsel that's going to straighten out the life of the psychological cripple. I don't have a profitable business venture or a line of credit or cash bailout that will get financial cripples headed on the road to success. I don't have effective medication that will restore the health of the physical cripples. I don't have any ability to free spiritual cripples from the bondage of sin and Satan. To every broken, maimed, handicapped, crippled person that would look with expectancy to me, I would have to say to you, silver and gold have I none. But I have something better for you than a check. I have something better than a sack of groceries. I have something better than a backpack full of school supplies. I have something better than a pill or a therapy session or an accountability group or an encouraging word. I can connect you with a miracle worker who can make all your broken places whole.
Here's what I got to tell you today. I can't take a heart that's broken and make it over again. <laughs> but I know a man who can. I can't take a soul that's sin sick and make it white as snow, but I know a man who can. I can't walk on the water. I can't calm a troubled sea, but I know a man who can. I cannot cause blind eyes to open or make lame men to walk again, but I know a man who can. I'm talking about Mary's baby, Bethlehem's glory, Golgotha's agony, the empty tomb's victory. He's the sea walker. He's the sight restorer. He's the bread multiplier. I'm talking about the peace speaker, the way maker, the burden bearer, the heavy load sharer, the promise keeper. He's the bright morning star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the rock in a weary land. He's the ancient of days. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the first and the last. Oh! Some call him Savior, the Redeemer of all men. I call him Jesus. He's my dearest friend. If you feel no one can help you, if you feel your life is out of hand, I know a man who can. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. It's an anointing to proclaim wholeness to cripples. It's an anointing to release a breakthrough in the lives of those who are bound. It's an anointing to usher you into the miracle dimension of God's grace, power, and glory. Silver and gold have I none, but I'm rich in faith. I'm rich in hope. I'm rich in love. I'm rich in grace. I'm rich in good news that Jesus is the answer. That's what I give you today. Oh, I know this message isn't for everybody, but I also know this message is for somebody. This is for somebody who's broken. This is for somebody who's hurting. This is for somebody who's bound. So what you're hearing right now is not just a preacher standing up here preaching a sermon, but right now you're hearing the voice of the Spirit saying, rise up and walk. If you want to be free of that habit that has you bound, rise up and walk. If you want to get past the guilt from things in your past, you just rise up and walk. If you want to be free from the chains of unforgiveness, get up and walk. If you want to be delivered from the pain of the abuse, get up and walk. If you want to be healed in your body, get up and walk. Somebody needs a broken relationship restored. My God, get up and walk. Get up and walk.
the house right now. Somebody's getting your miracle right now. Receive it, receive it, receive it. Now you are positioned for a miracle. Now God's kingdom life has come to you. Now you are loosed from the bondage. Now you're released from the pain. Now you're enabled by the Spirit of God. Now you can stand and walk and leap and praise God. He's restoring your walk. He's restoring your work. He's restoring your worship. The Lord is making you whole. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. All over this house, you just need to worship him. You need to thank him for the outpouring of his presence in this place right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you for your miracle power that's at work in this house right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need that miracle, if you believe God is giving you that miracle, I want you to just move right down here to the front right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your miracle life. can't get to everybody. Would you reach over and pray one for another? Would you lay your hand on somebody's shoulder and you pray for them while they pray for you and believe that as you minister to them, God's going to minister to you. Come on, all over this house. All over this house. Let's pray and believe. Believe God for the miraculous. Touch him. Touch him today, Holy Ghost. Touch him today. Touch him. Touch him. Touch him. Touch him. Touch him. Touch him. In the name of Jesus. Bring your miracles. Bring your miracle life. Oh, Jesus. Bring the help. Bring what we need. Release your miracles. Release your miracle life. Release it now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Release it. Release. Release your miracles in the lives of your people. Release. Oh, Jesus. Do it. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it. Thank you, Jesus. Be whole. Be whole. Be whole in the name of Jesus.
Holy Spirit. Flow right now. Flow in the lives of these people. Break in, oh God. Break in, Holy Ghost. Break in, Holy Ghost. Break in. <laughs> break in, break in. Church, help me sing it. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop, cause you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 
I want you to just one more time lift up your hands and thank the Lord for His presence. Thank the Lord for His touch. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You told me something last week about something the Lord had done for you. I want you to share it with the congregation. Would sure, you do that? Sure. Um, I was having a lot of lower back pain, literally the tailbone. And about two, three weeks ago, a pastor asked us to come up, anyone who had some problems. And of course, I came because the pain was so severe. The inflammation, I will feel a weight on my lower back. And he prayed that Sunday. And ever since, I don't have any problems with that. Additionally, additionally to that, I was having problems with my chest. I, I don't know what it what could be. I went to the cardiologist, they did an echo lab, they've done all kinds of tests. You can't find anything. But one Sunday, the spirit touched me, and I could feel this heat on my chest. The living power of God, his healing power. And ever since, it hasn't bothered me. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I wanted you to hear that because you need to know that God is still working. And, and one of the things she told me last week that she didn't say this week uh, was that when we prayed for her about her back, it didn't happen immediately. It was a, but, but, but day by day by day, it got, from that point on, it started getting better and it, each day was better until finally it was completely gone. So what I'm telling you is, that sometimes God heals immediately, sometimes he heals progressively. Whatever it is, you just cling to the fact that the miracle worker is still at work in your life. Tell me. The same day that pastor was calling and shared the testimony about how Sean used to have a problem of pneumonia in God. I've been suffering with a lot lately. And doctor was telling me the pneumonia opened to a lot of other places. But when I came in that day, when pastor was praying, and even my husband can testify that, I've been having strength day by day to see me talking without losing my breath which is Thursday I just had a hot cut 
surgery, like procedure just happened Thursday. And the doctors say, I did not see anything major. And I thank God. You see me shouting and praising the Lord, not losing my breath. And I'm taking him. I'm coming back to give more because there is more coming. In the name of Jesus. Don't go anywhere yet. I got one more point in my sermon. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not gonna preach long on that. I just wanna tell you what it is because you need to hear this. Expectant cripples are a position for miracles. Empowered believers. There's a third group, enthralled sinners. Here's what verse 10 says. They were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to know. And that is that miracles are not just about you. Miracles are not just about God blessing you when you have a need and, and giving you a miracle. Miracles are designed to bear witness that the power of God is at work in this world. Miracles touch you. Sure, we get the blessing, but it's to be the witness to the unbelievers to let them know there is a God in heaven who still cares for his people. And it bears witness to say, you need to know my Jesus just like I know him. That's what it's all about. Okay, Stan, I've, I've, I've overpreached my time. There's lots more good stuff, but don't you love it when the Holy Spirit just breaks in and interrupts? He's got a lot more to say and a lot more to do than I have, so uh, we just let him do his thing. Thank you for being part of this service. Thank you for being obedient, and thank you for being participants in your worship.